Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Did you know that when we're in the presence of God, anything can happen, can't it? So it really is exciting to be here. Um, I've been coming kind of every year for quite a while now, and just to see the advancement and, and to see what God's doing is always very, very thrilling, very, very exciting. Retirement is very exciting as well. It means I get to see my wife a lot more. And uh, so, so we've been married 44 years this year. And people say, what's the secret to 44 years of happy marriage? And I say, well, I've traveled for 42 of them. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, We've, we've kind of got to move quickly because I, uh, I know that we have to finish on time here. But uh, because I retired, I was sorting out my office uh, back at home. And I came across this and I thought, well, I've still got to share it even though there's not a lot of time. Any of you here worry? Any of you ever worry? Be honest. I know we're Christians. Yeah? Well, th- this is for you then. This is for you. Nothing at all to do with the message. But a little word of wisdom that I found when I was clearing out my office. And it says, why worry? There are only two things to worry about. Either you are well or you are sick. If you are well, then there is nothing to worry about. And if you are sick, there are only two things to worry about. Either you will get well or you will die. And if you get well, then there is nothing to worry about. And if you die, there are only two things to worry about. Either you will go to heaven or you will go to hell. And if you're going to go to heaven, then there's nothing to worry about. And if you're going to go to hell, well, why worry? It's too late any rate. Okay, so. (laughs) Pray with me. Father, right now in these next 15 to 20 minutes, help me to communicate something of divine truth. Anoint, I pray, the thoughts Cause us to have attention that will lead us to the place of miracles. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I think we're going to have some scripture put up on there. I would normally read it to you, but because of time, I'm going to simply just make reference to it. The reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. And uh, in verse 14, it says that when they, that is Jesus and a crowd, when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. Let me make a, a quick comment as we launch into something which I trust is going to lead us to the place where God will confirm his word this morning with signs and wonders following. I'm a believer in God believing that he will answer prayer. How many of you are with me in this? And that even though we have a short time, God can do something very, very good. It says that Jesus came to the multitude and a man. Uh, Jesus is always interested in a multitude and a man or a woman. He's interested in the crowd and he's interested in the individual. And as it was on this occasion here, today we're gathered corporately as a group. We're here, if you like, as a crowd. God is here. He wants to speak into the crowd. But also he wants to speak to a man. 
He wants to speak to a woman. He wants to speak to individuals. The crowd or the individual God is always interested in. And the man approaches Jesus, and it's interesting how he approaches him. It says he came to him kneeling down. May I suggest that if you are to receive anything at all from the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, it will need you to make a response where you approach God kneeling down. I'm not talking about literally. I'm not talking about getting down on your knee, although that may be the case. But to kneel down, it symbolizes to us a sense of humility. It's kind of approaching God, realizing, hey, we're in the presence of someone greater than what we are. And so this man approaches Jesus. He surrenders. He lowly kneels down and he cries out, Lord, will you have mercy on my son? Interesting that. Because there he is making a request, not on behalf of himself. Can I tell you something about this service this morning? I don't know, how many roughly would there be here? 100, 120, I don't know how many there is. But I tell you this, it can be multiplied five, six, seven times by the people that you know. Your parents, your friends, your neighbours. And the glorious thing is this, that although you are here and they are not... Actually, by you making response for a need that they might have, they can receive a miracle. That's an amazing thing. You don't very often hear this preached. But actually, if you will approach the Lord in the way that this man did, humbly, on behalf of another, God is not restricted by distance. We have a daughter that lives in Australia. And just a couple of years ago, there was a crisis that happened for her. And she was crying down the phone. I can still remember the screams as she was actually just bursting uh, from from within because of the pain and the agony that she was suffering at the time. We weren't there. We couldn't get there at that particular time. But I want to tell you, we knew uh, someone that could by the power of the Holy Spirit. And through prayer, we actually interceded on behalf of someone else. Here is a man that approaches the Lord Jesus Christ in a way of humility, and he cries out, Lord, will you have mercy on my son, but then the ask is a big one. He says he's an epileptic. He, he, he's, he's more than that. He throws himself into the fire. Uh, and that actually the need that I have to present to you, God, is a big one. Oh, how glad I am this morning that I don't care whether it's a common cold or an incurable cancer, our God is able to heal. Amen? I remember standing on this very platform a number of years ago. I was reminded of it as I sat there. I hadn't intended to say this, but I remember standing when suddenly it was a man's event. Some of you may have been here. Do you remember it? And suddenly I I, I received a word of knowledge regarding someone with a cancer sitting over there, somewhere over there. And I remember what happened. I don't even know whether I've told Andrew and my wife this, but this guy, he actually had traveled from the Midlands to be here at that conference, and he, he was, had been diagnosed that week with a cancer. He wrote to me within two weeks of that conference to tell me that God had touched him in that meeting and that God had done something wonderful for him. I want to tell you, I don't care how big your need is, we have a God who is able to respond to it. Lord, will you have mercy on my son for... He is a boy with great need. Oh, well. And then we find out that although it's a big call, we realize that he'd been to somebody else first. He'd been to the disciples. And we read this, actually, as I say, we haven't got time to go into it, but it says, but but they could not heal him. The people closest to Jesus, the disciples, 
the preacher, the pastors. <laughs> they could not heal him. It isn't that they wouldn't heal him. It isn't that they shouldn't heal him. But the Bible tells me that they couldn't heal him. <laughs> and Jesus answers and he goes on and says a number of things. He says, you're a faithless, you're a perverse generation. How long have I got to be with you? Wonderful words happen then. He says, will you, will you bring the boy to me? I want to tell you, for you to receive a miracle, it's not a case of coming to me. Uh, I preach Christ and him crucified. I want to tell you that I want to lift up someone, the son of the living God. And as we bring our need, as we bring whatever it is, our impossible situation, we've got to do what this man did. Bring your need to me. You see, actually, the miracle this morning is not in the tap. It's not in the vessel. It's through that that flows through the tap. And although I stand here as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm saying, bring your need, not to me, but bring your need to the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring him to me. And then something very, very unusual happens. It says that Jesus didn't speak anymore to the man. And neither did he speak to his son. He didn't speak to the crowds and he didn't speak to the disciples. But listen well, it says he spoke to a demon. Now I'm not going to go big on this this morning. But let me tell you, I believe in angels. Uh, if you've ever driven in the car with my wife, you would believe in, in angels. <laughs> The Bible says he gives his charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. <laughs> Have you driven in a bus lane recently, love? I don't know. <laughs> First time ever this week. Drove in a bus lane, didn't you, love? And got a fine, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> it's usually me, so I feel so good today. <laughs> Never. I don't know how many years you've been driving and never had anything. She's always been... See, pride comes before a fall. <laughs> she always used to say, oh, yeah, you speed, you speed. You're in a bus lane, bus lane. <laughs> I believe in angels, but I also believe that there are fallen angels. I believe there's a warfare going on right now. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realm. There is a spiritual dimension. And now Jesus speaks to a demon that is inside the boy. Uh, I know he's inside because it tells us that when Jesus spoke, the demon uh, came out of the boy. And some of the problems that exist are sometimes spiritual ones that we need to get to grips with. Jesus speaks to the very uh, core, the very reason of why this boy is like he is in this particular instance. And the demon comes out of him. And then we read something beautiful. And from that very hour, he was made whole. Do you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? Here? I'm, I'm talking about immediately he was made well. Now, sometimes it is that a miracle takes place over a period of time. On one occasion, Jesus said to some lepers, you go and show yourselves to the priests. And it was as they made their way that they were made whole. 
there was a time process. Sometimes we can pray. I've, t- I've said something to you. I don't know what your, your thing is that's in your heart. But I've said there's a time process now. But it's, it's, it's pretty quick, actually. It's before the end of the month. But before the end of, of next month. Uh, but, but actually, that's not what I've been praying for, Mark, this, 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 this day. I've been praying for an immediate I've been praying for something to happen right now in this service, not when you get home, not next week, although it's going to be a great week of prayer and fasting, but the miracle can take place today as God confirms his word. An immediate, and so the demon came out of the boy. (laughs) Then, of course, although there's great rejoicing, the disciples, uh, they, they, they come to Jesus privately. Have you ever gone to Jesus privately? I've been through a situation in the last six months whereby uh, in all of my Christian life, uh, I, I've never had a more, a more difficult time. I'm just kind of coming out of it in terms of, uh, of the emotion and the feelings of it all. But I want to tell you that over the last six months, I, I've never spent more time going to the Lord Jesus privately. Going to him and saying, God, why? Uh, two and two, they add up to five here. I, I don't understand this, I don't understand that, and there's things that I just can't... Uh, how many of you know that God sees us when we go to him privately? Uh, uh, the, the actual word in the Bible, it means covertly. It, it means they came to Jesus in a way and said, Look, Lord, 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 why could we, we not cast out this demon? Why could we not heal him? We're your closest disciples. Why, why, why? God understands those kind of questions at times. And now Jesus speaks not to the man or to the boy. He doesn't speak to the crowds and he doesn't speak to the demon. He speaks to his disciples. He speaks to those that know him and are closest to him. His followers, his representatives, his closest friends. And he says it's because of your unbelief. But but, but we're believers. No, it's because of your unbelief. Then he says something interesting. And I had no idea, Mark. No idea, Liz, that what you were doing this next week. But he says, don't you understand that this type of miracle, it doesn't come out except by prayer and by fasting. There's something significant about this next week in the life of this church. Uh, And I I want to re-emphasize because I had no idea up until minutes ago that you were entering into a time of prayer and fasting. But when there is a group of people, when there is an individual And when there's a group of people that take seriously their spiritual walk so that they are prepared to lay aside certain things in order to push in, then there's there's great things that can happen. And I feel that it's going to be even greater than you can imagine because of the significance of what I'm saying here. Jesus speaks to his disciples now and he says, oh, listen, this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and by fasting. I want to read you a story very quickly here. And this is the real crux of what I want to leave with you before I pray and before we see God do something. It concerns a man called Thomas Edward Lawrence. I don't know whether you know who he is, but he was born on August the 16th, 16, uh, sorry, 1888 in Wales. And he's more popularly known as Lawrence of Arabia. The famous exploits of this man in the British military when he uh, joined with the Arab revolt against uh, the, in the First World War. He's well known. Some of you have seen the films that have been written about him. He wrote a famous book called The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. And uh, again, cutting a long story short, what happened was at the, the, the end of the war, Lawrence invited a load of these 
Arabs along to come to this country to thank them for their help. And they came and he, they had an audience with government. He even took them to uh, uh, the palace and they, they, they saw the queen there. And, and he said, listen, you can have whatever you want. I, I, I want to thank you for your kindness in your help. And they, they took him to the hotel. This is an absolutely true story. They led him to a hotel room and they took him to the bathroom. And they pointed to the faucets, the taps. And they said that they wanted to take the taps back with them to their desert homes. Why? So that it would provide running water for them in their homes back home. See, what they failed to realize is that the taps were superficial. Behind them was the plumbing, a hot water heater, an energy source that heated the water, a city main that supplied the water. And from the city main went a line to the outside source of the water. The water wasn't in the tap. It flowed through the tap. Very, very important for us to realize something this morning. That as God continues to bless you in your church here, as God continues to do and show his miraculous power, it will only be as we constantly realize that actually... It ain't about you. It's all about him. Uh, it, it isn't, if you like, we're the taps. But we're not the actual ones that can give the miracle. We can only provide a channel through whom the Spirit of God can flow and so that the Holy Spirit can work. Now, after saying that, you've got to grasp this. This will be the crux of everything I say. That isn't the right time, is it? Nine, nine, oh, nine, nine, I thought it was nine, nine, eighteen. But that's, that's how many minutes I've got left. Because you said, I've got to be finished by ten. I'm going to be finished at five to ten so I can pray. How's that? So there we go. I've got four and a half minutes here. I've got to get this across. You've got to understand this. That although the miracle is not in the tap, God wants taps. And I, I'm bowled over by this thought. God wants taps like you and me. Taps that, that perhaps aren't quite all together. Taps that have got a little bit of dirt on. Taps, taps that have got some itching to do. <laughs> what are you doing on your phone there, mate? I hope you're taking notes. I hope you're not texting your girlfriend or something. <laughs> yeah, I've got some great news for us this morning. Listen to this. Moses, he stuttered, he stuttered. David's army didn't fit. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Timothy had ulcers. Amos' only training was in the school of fig tree pruning. Jacob was a liar and David had an affair. I want to tell you that Solomon was too rich and Abraham was too old. David was too young. I want to tell you that Peter was afraid of death and Lazarus, he was already dead. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer and so was Moses and Jonah ran from God. They were taps, they were taps, but God wanted those taps. I want to say that Miriam was a gossip and Gideon Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah, he was burned out. Martha was a worrier. Mary had probably been lazy. Samson had long hair. Noah got drunk and that's not all. I want to tell you, 
that Moses had a short fuse. But God doesn't require a job interview. Hallelujah. He doesn't hire and fire like most bosses. Hallelujah. Because he's more of a father than our boss. He doesn't look for a financial gain or loss. He's not prejudiced or partial. He's not judging or grudging. He's not sassy or brassy. He's not deaf to our cry. He's not blind to our need. God wants taps like you and me. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter who we are and where we've been and what we are. He says, I want to make you a channel of my blessing. I want to flow through you. I want to provide for around here and wherever you are, something of my grace and my goodness. And I want to do it through you. God is looking for willing taps. John chapter 7 and verse 38 says, He that believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, all I can say, and we could have developed this, we could take a lot more time over it, but I think you're grasping what I'm saying, that God is in the house. He sees us as a crowd and he sees us as individuals. And he's now saying, I want to do something for you. But I haven't seen the miracles in the past like I ought. Then bring your need to me. Approach me humbly and allow my spirit to flow through you. To who? To your neighbours, to your friends, to your work colleagues, to your school chums, to your college friends. And allow Yourself to realize that I am the one. You see, the last thing that I wanted to tell you about all of this is that as God begins to do things through you, all of the glory has got to go to him. Everything belongs to him. Uh, And as you begin to see more and more of his power and his influence in your life and through your life, it is that we would then sing a song of worship and praise to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son.